All right, welcome to episode 37 of the Queen City Roundup. With you, as always, is your co-host, Joey Kanji, and my fellow co-host, Matthew Spaniolo, with me on the Zoom call. That was weird. We normally just to be it was normally host and co-host. So I guess now you you you've lowered yourself to my level, which I which I appreciate. I mean we're both co-hosts. I don't know why I mean, you I also say you that. also might have to do that in real life too, because you yeah. know height height is not my strong suit. Um but I guess if you're more I guess if you're small, you just assume it's that you're not technically my strong suit either. I am the I'm five ten, which is the global average for men. So I'm just I'm, I am, I'm just I'm, I'm just very a guy. much below average, which is <laughs> unfortunate. Um, there can be a lot of innuendos and jokes made there, but I just did it myself. Screw you. I already took away all that. Anyway, you, um, uh, you beat them to the punch. I mean, there won't, I don't think we get that many haters to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that can change. Um, hopefully not. But I mean, they, the more people. No, I, hope, I hope we do because when you get haters, that means you make it, right? That's true. That is very true. Um, anyway, so we do have a couple things to uh, to discuss. Obviously, um, but before we get into like the meat of the show, um, we want to address obviously the uh, unfortunate passing of uh, Canada's hockey dad and Walter Gretzky, uh, who passed away um, last Thursday. Um, we're recording this on. Uh, We'll record a part of it yet last night, but we're recording the actual like full meat of the show uh, today. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I've personally like never had an experience with, with Walter Gretzky. I wish I did. Um, but just seeing all the stories for a guy who like people didn't even just assume he was just like Gretzky's dad. He was just like that guy that was always around the ring. And he was just, just the, the nicest guy ever, basically. Yeah. Like, um, um, like, yeah, like my closest experience with him is I once saw him on the Jumbotron at a Leafs game I was at. And, uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, I know people who have had like a number of experiences with him and all the stories I've heard from him, uh, especially over the last uh, the last week are just like how how genuine he was, how how nice of a guy he was and how how proud he was of like all his kids. Like I obviously like he'll proud of Wayne Gretzky, but he never let the other ones uh, like lack the attention that day. He's proud of all of them, which I think is I don't know. It's there's such a bad rep with hockey dads. And that that has something to do with like with like hockey culture in general. But I feel like if every hockey dad was like Walter Gretzky, then the the sport would be way more welcoming than it is today. So yeah, it's definitely a a tough loss for the hockey community. Exactly. Yeah, and I think like uh, if you actually watch the um, the eulogy that uh, that obviously Wayne Gretzky gave at his funeral, uh, it really just made sense, and it really kind of just like makes us realize like it doesn't like we're always going to have differs of opinion no matter what uh when it comes to hockey or or anything and i think it just kind of puts it in perspective of you know we just need to like just be kind to people like this like literally a year ago um not to get like all sappy and whatnot but like a year ago everything was shutting down um i remember very vividly um uh, the 11th March 11th was the day that everything sort of started to shut down and then actually yeah March the 11th tw- and then 12 13 it just continued suit so like uh, I think we just need to like realize like even if there's any issues with people like you know it, it's all gonna it's all like bad times will always pass but 
we should never like take away from being like good people like regardless of you know if you don't like them as uh, a person as their job role like you know we just need to like kind of take a step back and realize like everyone's human and we need to realize that like especially now we need to always be like more understanding and more sympathetic to the way people are and that's kind of the way that Walter Gretzky lived his life is he was always you know a kind soul and I think you know it's it's funny in a way how you know even if you didn't know him like he impacted people so much and I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of like what we all need to strive to be is like even if you didn't know somebody like at least you had an impact on it's pretty crazy like how someone's dad who was in the who's in the nhl became such a figure in canada like when i was when i was a young hockey fan like maybe like four or five years old i had this this book that was just about wayne gretzky and like his career and stuff that i used to look at all the time and i walter gretzky was like one of the first faces in hockey that i could just like point out just because like that's how how big he was and like you don't do that by being a bad person exactly and i think that's that's really kind of what again what we all need to to strive for which is just you know being mm-hmm. you know being the best that we can be like i i could speak from experience where i like i think you and i have done a lot of mistakes um but i mean you know we live from them you know we're, we're still here and if while we're still here we gotta like you know kind of carry on that legacy and kind of try and fall in that model so mm-hmm. not, not yeah. to start not to start this with a kind of a well, downer just, just um, wanna, i just wanted to say like one of my favorite things like that i've heard about like walter gretzky is how you can literally just show up to his house in bradford which apparently everybody knew which house it was that when gretzky grew up in you just show up there and if he like saw you there he'd like invite you in and like show you like all the wayne gretzky memorabilia that like he had and everything and like like again just like how proud he was of like of like all his kids and stuff like that's like like how often do you run into someone like that like these days who's just like that kind-hearted like it's it's really rare um and i think it kind of like shows like we need to do more as a as a society regardless of like your beliefs or or anything like that Mm -hmm. like um but yeah not to start on a damper yeah we'll just send our condolences over to the gretzky family and and friends (laughs) Yeah, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we we can truly learn from what uh, from what Walter Gretzky uh, left in the hockey community, and hopefully, it helps grow to be as inclusive as it should be. Um, but he anyway, was the perfect representation of what hockey should be. Yeah, he was he was the be- best ambassador that should have been used a lot more, but. I mean, you can't change what's already done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, tell Joey's and Vaughn because I heard a motorcycle in the background. I don't know if anybody- yeah, no, that's not a motorcycle. That's a revved up uh, 2006 Honda Civic. Uh the the most prime vehicle of a resident of Vaughn, Ontario. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right in front um, of my house, I saw it go right by. This is this oh, is yeah. this is what's bad about recording during the day. You get all of that shit. Yeah, I hear it at night still. Like more so, obviously in the summer, but like I still hear it at night. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not even on Main Street, which is which is weird. Um, but anyway, uh, so let's. Uh, we we made it a point last night. Uh, we were gonna record after the Leaf game. Um, we have to I, let our thoughts um, I think marinate a little bit. Also, we were tired as shit. Yeah, I went to bed early last night. I don't I don't remember the last time I went to bed before midnight, but 
<laughs> I, I did last night. I don't know what it was. I was, I was super tired. Exactly. Um, but anyway, so obviously last, uh, the last three games for, for Leaf fans have been a little worrying. Um, in particular, uh, two of the last three, uh, I think the first one we were all kind of a little more sympathetic towards just because that second was... Second half of a back-to-back. Back. Yeah, second half of a back-to-back back with travel, uh, with your third-string goalie in net. Uh, but now, obviously, the last two losses have been cause for concern. And... Uh, there's there's a couple conversations that we need to have, and I think we didn't write this down in our notes, um, but I think after last night we need to to put this at the forefront of people's focus, and that's Freddie Anderson. Well, and by the way, just so everyone knows, for later on in the show, um, we did record a, an interview last night with someone with someone in the industry to talk about the Raptors. So if you're looking for that, stay tuned. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll probably find a timestamp if you want to, if you want to go ahead and yeah. look at it when it's in post. Uh, but anyway, um, so the conversation uh, really from the second period last night uh, until the end of the game was on Freddie Anderson. Um, and it, it really is an interesting conversation just because um I think everyone last night was a little hot. Uh, they were a little upset um, just because if you look at that, that box score, you would wonder, you know, why a team that was giving, getting more high danger, high danger scoring chances. I a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, like they literally outshot them uh, 39 to 23, um, which said a lot about not just, uh, Connor Hellebuck, but also the Leafs offense. And the high danger um, scoring chances were 22 to six. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's kind of the uh, interesting. Like, like the, the, the Winnipeg Jets got flat out outplayed last night. Right. Like, like 100%. Like you can't, you can't tell me otherwise. They got outplayed. They got pummeled and they still came out with the win. And like, that's what's weird about hockey is like, I feel like this doesn't really happen much in any, in other sports. It does happen in soccer sometimes, I guess, but like not as often as it does in hockey where a team can get absolutely pummeled and still come up with the win. Yeah. And I think really that's what we're seeing with, uh, even sometimes with the Leafs, like, uh, sometimes and well, there was that, that that game against well they almost lost it where when they will be calgary in overtime yeah like we saw that game where you know they were by far the better team um puck wasn't going in for them for about 95 percent of the game um and even more so like uh really in the early parts of the season like people kind of forget about it now because it's such a distant memory um but i remember that second game against ottawa um, where Jack Campbell had his first win of the season, like the Leafs weren't playing that well against the Sens in that game. Like it was, it was primarily Jack Campbell bailing them out, which goes to show you how important he is uh, and how good of a goalie he is. Um, but like well, the shot, but like it's one of those actually, it's like one of those things where you know, as good as you play as a team. It all comes down to your goalie. You need a goalie. Yeah. And like, here's the thing. Like, like, should it depend on your goalie wanting to win you games? But it would be nice every once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. When was the last? 
off the top of your head, when was the last time Freddie Anderson stole a game for this hockey team? Ooh, that's hard. Um, I was talking about this with some friends and like, we didn't like really look at anything, but like just from like thinking off the top of our heads, it was 2018 game three against Boston. Probably. Uh, well, I was also going to go with game two of the, uh, of the bubble play in round. Uh, I thought that he really played well in that game. Um, I don't know if he necessarily stole it, but I mean, a shutout works. And I mean, like, like Freddie's like one of those, like, like it's really weird because like, this is a guy who now holds the franchise record for wins in a, in a single season. Yeah, and but wins, wins isn't a goalie stat. I don't consider that a goalie stat. I mean, yes. Um, but I mean, like, it, it's one of those things where, like, and, and again, like, I know, like, one of the funniest things on hockey Twitter was everyone shitting on Mark Shifley for not believing in analytics. Um, but the numbers don't lie. I mean, like, you know, Freddie has had a... Low and steadily decline a little bit, and like over the it, last like this so far this season and like last season, he hasn't been starter like top at like half of the league starter material. Not even that. I don't even think he's been NHL starter material. Yeah, and like it, it kind of comes with like you know I don't know if this is uh, all the time with goalies at age, but I feel like they're there's always a time and like, there's two comparables that I compare with, with, with Freddie. Um, one has a cup and one doesn't. And I know they're both like two kind of far-fetched examples because they both won Vesna's and Freddie hasn't, but I think of Braden Holpe and I think of Carey Price because I was going to say Pecorine. Uh, yeah, you could loop him into that conversation. Cause Pecorine too. was one of those guys who like, like, We've seen him now. This is his fifth season where where Freddie will go on these runs where he looks unstoppable, just like Pecorine. But then overall, you look at the season numbers for the most part and you're like, oh, I guess he wasn't as good. Yeah. Um, and like, it's kind of the same thing with Holpe because like really Holpe after, I think he won the Vesna like five years ago. But there's also an age discrepancy between them two. Like Holpe, you expected that decline. Freddie right now should be like still in the prime of his career. Well, I mean, I mean, there's only a year difference between the two. Holpe's only 31. He? Yeah, he's only 31. I thought Holpe was older. Yikes. No, like, like, like Holpe, like from what, when he won the Vesna in, I think it was 15, 16. Uh, no, six, yeah, like 15, 16, 16, 17. He had the best two years of his career, a 9.22, and then followed that up with a 9.25. Actually, he had a 9.23 the year before that. But anyway, um, he followed that up with a 9.07 the year that they went to the Stanley Cup final in the regular season, followed by a 9.11, followed by an 8.97, followed by an 8.93. And, like, it's one of those things where what I, the best-case scenario for this and I know that the team's being very careful with Campbell because I don't think we know the extent of his injury. Uh, and also, like, with Michael Hutchinson, like, he's been playing good, but, like, you don't want to start a 700,000 goalie over your your big your big guy that you're paying unless you're the Florida Panthers and you want to play Chris Dreeder over uh, at the end of the day. Boston. I don't, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me as a fan. Uh, you're going to put in the guy who's going to, who's going to give you the best chance to win. And right now it's not Freddie Anderson. Yeah. And uh, I think to be honest, uh, I put a poll out on our Twitter page uh, earlier today 
and uh the best i put the best options i should say so myself um and i'm, I'm very happy that um my my fourth option is actually the second most uh, voted um so uh is it time to move on from freddie anderson uh the options were trade him at the deadline let him walk in free agency uh no resign him or hashtag hutch for vesna uh right now the uh the most probable option from what people are saying is uh, let him walk in free agency. Uh, and I'm happy to say that Hutch for Vesna is uh, second on the uh, the poll. So uh, yeah, I'm happy you don't, about that. You don't make a, a goalie trade like that at the deadline. That's just like, it's not going to happen. You can get a backup, but no one's going to be trading you like a, a solid goalie like in return like, like for what you'll need, right? Like you're not, like those trades don't happen at the deadline. So they're just going to have to let him walk at free agency. Yeah, I heard. Um, I heard a couple people were looking at. Um, I think everyone, yourself included, I think, was looking at uh, at the Coyotes and looking at uh, a Darcy Kemper. Even, even uh, I was even looking at Empty Ranta, and I was like, I'll take either one of those to run a tandem with Campbell over. Yeah, I could see. I mean, like, I personally wouldn't want Ranta just because of the injuries. Well, Kemper um, too has that. Too, has that, but but Kemper at least you know, like when he's healthy, is like a a top five goalie in the league. Is it time to reunite with James Reimer? Because they basically have similar numbers. They both have a nine Oh three. Like, yeah. But Reimer's is he, is he really getting like a one, a one B situation? I thought he's more of a backup. Well, I mean, he's been getting the majority of the stuff. That's because Marasic's been injured. Well, like he's also been uh, splitting time with uh, Alex. Like Nechlevic's only played eight games and he's got better numbers than uh than Reimer does. Well, so I mean like do you sticking do you, on the do you kick the bucket? Sticking with the with the hurricanes, the goalie one goalie that I'd look at who's gonna be a free agent and probably not very expensive is Andre Mrazic who's having a really good Andre, season. And, Andre Mrazic? You mean Peter Mrazic? Peter Mrazic, wow. Um were you looking at who is Andre? I don't know Mark who Andre. Mark Andre Fleury, like no, uh, I was yeah. not. <laughs> Anyways, I, I would take Mark Andre. I don't know Fleury why. I don't, team, I, don't, I don't know why I said that, but yeah, P- Peter Mrazek is someone I'd look into. Who's going to be a free agent? Probably not very expensive. Kemper, you'd have to acquire in a trade. He's not a free agent. Ranta is a UFA. Grubauer is a UFA. Um, you, so you got options. It's not like there's going to be a lack of options come trade deadline time. I know Dubis in the past has alluded to wanting to do like a 1A, 1B situation and in the playoffs you ride whoever whoever's hot. And yeah. Like, and like, that's also like, it would be cheaper because you don't need to spend like $5 million on a goalie. You can probably spend like $6 million combined for both goalies at most. And then like the Leafs have a solid defense now. Like we've seen like what that does. Like Hutchison's been playing really well in the starts he's had this season so far. And that's because there's quality defense in front of him. So yeah. I feel like if you have a quality defense, you can go that route. And then you have more money to spend up front, which which uh which would definitely help this team. And yeah. Like it, it just comes down to like like yeah, like I like I alluded to earlier, like you can't really think off the top of your head the last time Freddie has stolen you a game. And you want your goalie to do that to you sometimes. Like but you hear all these excuses with him after every single game where like he hasn't really played his best. Like, oh, that one got tipped or this and that. The gig is stopping pucks. Figure it out. You don't hear Mrazic like any excuse, not Mrazic with Vasilevsky, like any like any 
any like excuses for him because he's a good goalie. He figures it out. He knows how to stop I, pucks. That's all you that's like what you got to do. And like I didn't even tweet it out last night too. Like like I'm not about when it comes to playoff time. I'm not worried about the team because I know the team will play great. It's it's Frederick Anderson in the playoffs because he just allows these goals all the time that are just absolutely just backbreaking. Like that fourth one last night. Like it wasn't a strongest defensive play from from Riley. I'll give him that, but like you got to stop that. To me, I think like like the th- three out of the four goals. It's like you know tips are going to happen. The third one was obviously a goofy bounce off of Matthews, which like. What can you do with that? Still should, I think he still should have had that one. Yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things where the worst place a goalie can be is in his own head. And this is and like this is a hard market to be in. You know, it's really one of those like times that you look at and it's like, you know, you know, how like you need to have thick skin when you're playing in this market. And like that's really the hardest thing to do. From like a personable standpoint, because like the hardest markets, like uh, hardest teams with the hardest markets to play in are the Habs with the French market, the Leafs with the media that we have here, um, the Yankees with their market, the Hot Cowboys take. with their what? Hot take. I don't think that the Toronto media is as bad outside of like your Simmons and like Fox and like those those tap, I call them tabloid writers. They're not journalists outside of that. Like in terms of like how they like treat players and talk to players, like the media, it's not that bad. If you look at Edmonton, Edmonton's bad. Montreal's terrible. Montreal is, is by far the worst market in in hockey to play against. You basically have two sets of media there because you have the French media like the French speaking media and the, and the English speaking media and the French media is harsh from what I hear. Like, like I know that a whole bunch of rumors have been spread about players that were just completely untrue and like damaging to their character, which at the very least, you don't get that here. Yeah. I don't think the, I think it's more so like there's a demand to win more so than like spreading drama and spreading petty nonsense. I think that's one of the reasons why, like, like I don't like, the Habs, like I kind of feel bad for them because it's like, you know, you, you're trying to perform and then you just have like these scummy reporters trying to tabloid writers. Yeah, or like, let's not call know, them reporters. They're, or, it's sorry, an insult to reporters or bloggers, really, mm-hmm. um, that are just completely trying to make a name for themselves with, oh, we want to write controversy and we want to make all of this stuff. And it's I like, remember there was a few things said about Gallagher that were untrue one year. There's things said about Galchenyuk that were, that I think were true, but he did not want to go public. And someone just was scummy enough to make these, these, uh, these, like, the, the stuff these stories with, go public. The stuff with Subban and Pacioretty too was, was really hard. I mean, like Subban, mm-hmm. they were more generous to, um, I don't think I think it was more so like once he left Montreal that people were sort of like coming out and saying like he was a little a little bit of a, a locker room nuisance and, and whatnot. I think it was really hard on Pacioretty, which like, to be fair, when you're the captain of mm-hmm. the, one of the biggest hockey markets in the world, like you're going to you're going to face the scrutiny. Um, I think to me. And this is like kind of uh, just kind of like spitballing here. Um, the best case scenario is like if the Leafs do get to the playoffs, which like still they are in the best spot out of the North division. The only other team that's close is, is the Jets. And 
you know, I think that if they win their next two games, that they'll obviously pass the Leafs. No one else is really that close. They're there, but they're not really that close. Um, I think to me, the best case scenario is you start Campbell in the playoffs. And then if you falter, you go back to the veteran and your starter, because we saw that happen with, with, with the caps because Samsonov started a few playoff games last year. Was it? No, it was, I am. It was was it? No, it was Grubauer a few years ago. Grubauer was in, I think, like one and two. And then, like, uh, they went They were down to nothing because they were down to nothing to Columbus, right? Yeah. I think think they pulled Grubauer in game two. And, like, they went to Holtby. And then they went to start with Holtby in in game three. And then they just went on that run. And those those game six and sevens of the Eastern Conference final would not have been won if it wasn't for Braden Holtby. And that Stanley Cup would but, not have been won. But that's what I like about having that one A one B situation. You know, it lights it lights fire under both of their both of their asses. Frankly, like when you have like these two goalies, like they're both of them. I hope they're competitive enough to both want to be starters in the playoffs. So they'll be just trying to get better. Because when you have the clear starter and then the backup, it's like the starter like can can probably get lazy, get too comfortable in his in his situation, right? And like that's definitely something you don't want. And then you also, when you have that too, you also have the option to just ride the hot hand in the playoffs, which is what, which is Dubas has alluded to wanting to do this too. So now it's, it's going to be the perfect time to do that next season because like Anderson is is my biggest fear about this team. Like I know come playoff time, like the team's talented enough, they have the right coaching to be able to and the right systems in play in order to like be a like legitimate contenders for the Stanley Cup. It's just it's just Freddie, man. He's just, I, I I've lost my patience with with it. I he's he's got to stop pucks. That's Whoa. all. It, that's it's that simple. He's got to stop pucks, and he's not doing it. A nine oh six is not good enough as a starting goalie in the NHL. Well, I mean, well, Kurt, first of all, nine oh three is his his slash. Oh, it went down. I, I looked at it last night um, before. Well, updated. I I, I want to go through the twenty top like UFA goalies that the Leafs could go, and I'll go through them quickly. And then, well, if there are any names that stick out, like I, th- I know there's a few that you said, but here here are the top ones that are going to come off after this year. Duke Rask, Freddie, Pecorine, Jordan Rask Binnington. is probably going to retire. Probably. Uh, Pecorine, Jordan Biddington, Devin Dubnik, uh, or Dubnik. I do Dubnik. I don't do Dubnik. Uh, Auntie Ranta, James Reimer, Philip Grubauer, Peter Morazic, Jonathan Bernier. That's a funny one. Uh, Dave Riddick, Carter Hutton. <laughs> Jonathan uh, Nelson Mandela Bernier. He's got better numbers than Freddie. That's scary. Um, Dave Riddick, Carter Hutton, Linus Allmark, Anders Nielsen, Yaroslav Halak, who's got a 919, by the way. That's really weird, especially when you look at when he was in the Islanders, when Garth Snow was still there and he was in the AHL. That's weird. Um, Henrik Lundqvist, who I'm not really going to count because he didn't play this year. Uh, Mike Smith, Lauren Brassois, Brian Elliott, and Curtis Bacapaney. And then the next name after Curtis Bacapaney is uh, 40-year-old Ryan Miller. So, of those names, uh, realistically, the, there's only, maybe like a half dozen that I'd consider. I'm only really considering, and this is the God's honest truth, maybe two or three names. I'm only considering Mrazek, Grubauer. Actually, no, I'll, I'll upgrade it to four. Mrazek, Grubauer, Reimer, or... See, I'm not. I'm not considering Reimer. I'm just like he's a little older, right? It's not that I don't like him. It's just that 
I think there's better options. And like, yeah, like I'm considering uh, from what you said, Grubauer, Ranta, I'm considering, I'm considering Mrazic, um, Dreger uh, from uh, Florida. I'd consider him. I mean, he's a little bit of a journeyman. He's only got like 27 NHL games. On he's looked really good this season though. Yes, and, and last season he did. And he won't really be good. expensive. Like if you can if if you can get a goal like a solid tandem, which would be Campbell plus whoever for next season, and you can get that other goalie for cheap and you can bolster what you need to bolster on the blue line, then you'll be like you'll be set. That's how I see it. And there's names I'd want over Dreger, but that's who I like but I'd, I'd still consider him. I'd also consider Halak just because we've seen him thrive in that, in that kind of like, like one, a one B situation with Rask, if he's used correctly and you probably will get him for short and like on a short term deal too. Yeah. But the thing is, is like if Rask retires, which is very much a possibility right now, um, you also need to think about like Boston's not going to let both of their goalies go. They would, at least keep one of them, at least if it's on the short term. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with their like prospect situation and how they're, and how, if they have a goalie coming up that they're, that they want to want to use, but yeah. Yeah. I don't think Boston will let both of them go. Exactly. And I think that's kind of where you, you look at it and it's like, you know, where, where do you go from here? You know, like, do you go like, there's not a lot of variety on the market. Like, and that's where this kind of like puts them in a tough spot of do you, do you ride it out? Do you go and trade for one? Like this is a tough situation to be, and I know it's only been three games, but like three can turn to four really quick. And like, and like then, if- but also like we've started to see a pattern with Freddie, right? Like I, I said uh, yesterday, the Leafs got goalied by two different goalies last night. <laughs> like sure. it's not every, like, getting three goals on Connor Hellebuck is, is impressive. You know, you're not going to get many games where he gives up three goals and that's where you need your goalie to come in and like, and just be the better goalie. Like Anderson's never been the best goalie on the ice. Like I don't remember the last time that happened. So like even in the last like bubble playoffs, he's against Columbus. Okay. Freddie had like a pretty good, he had a pretty good bubble I'd say, but the other two goalies on Columbus were always better than him. Exactly, and it's kind of like, you know, you look at both Columbus goalies now, um, which I actually read something on, on 31 Thoughts that was interesting about uh, Alvarez versus Lincoln and the Oilers, and I think if they're smart, they could do a deal there down the line um, with uh, a team like Columbus. But, I mean, like, goalies like that, like, it, it, it's like the goalies in the league right now are so weird and so spotty, and, like, we're seeing that. Like, we're seeing, like – you know, one of the better tandems in the league, which nobody expected, was Capo Kakinen and Cam Talbot. Nobody expected that tandem to be good. And originally mm-hmm. it was it was Talbot and Staylock. Then Staylock the got thing, waived. Right? Like like the NHL's moved to a point now where you don't need like one starter and one backup. You can just like that the tandem it works and come playoff time, just ride the hot hand. Like and I think they're also not very expensive either. Like goalies are a lot like running backs in football. Don't pay a running back. Don't, don't pay a running back. Don't pay your goalies either. If you're good up front and like have a solid defense, 
like if you save money spent on goalie, you can spend money on all the other stuff to make everything around it better. So your goalies in, in turn get better. Yeah. Um, I think this is just a tough situation because like, you don't know what you're going to, what you're going to end up with after this year because like, you have, like Hyman's up um, and like a bunch of other things to me, I think personally, and actually what's really interesting is that they finally rested Matthews, which I think is a good thing. Um, he's he in practice today, or at least when I looked at the lines, he wasn't practicing. They put Travis Boyd on the first line, which is interesting, but I mean, I think it's deserved. Uh, I think it's just me, a sub, and I don't think Matthews is going to be missing any more games. He had a good true. game yesterday. I mean, yeah, pair of goals. See, like he's a goal scorer, right? Like he knows that his shots not not working for him right now because of his wrist, and he found two ways to score, right? That that where exactly. he didn't have to use that shot. That's what that's what good goal scorers do in this league. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where like I I, I don't, like when it looks at like the panic button, I don't think it's really warranted a push yet. Just because, like, again, it's been, it's been three. Depending on what happens tomorrow night, that's when you're like, okay, what what's going to happen? You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. is there going to uh, like, do we have to look at a move? Because, like, you know, well, I saw something interesting today. Um, over the next two weeks or the next fourteen days, the Leafs only play five times, which is a well-deserved break for this team. I feel like every other night they they've played at least this season so far. But they only have five games over the next two weeks or 14 days. So a lot of people were speculating that if Dubas is going to do something, it's going to be within the next couple days. So the player that they acquire misses as few games as like they can, if it is a player from across the border. Right. And I think like that's that's kind of the conflict because like the trade deadline's in like two weeks, I think. No, it's in a, it's in a month. I thought. When is hold on? I need to Google it. I know it's sometime in April. The trade deadline is April twelfth. No, it's in a month. Uh, a month, two days. Yes. So uh, this Friday it'll mark a month. So, anyways, this kind of leads us into our next topic of discussion. Um, Taylor Hall, yay or nay? Never. I don't I, I like here's the thing like do you really need that many offensive weapons like I don't think you do I, I if, you, am... if you if you add a forward you want to add somebody that can do both you add a two-way forward you don't need to add another sniper or a playmaker or anything like that like this team scores goals this team literally is I believe if I'm not mistaken yeah they're the highest goal scoring team in the league and the only other team that's relatively close in terms of goal scoring are actually the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, I did see like a, a thread about this and like the differences between the Leafs, the Leafs and the, and the Hurricanes, which is pretty interesting. I, I saw, like, I know that the Hurricanes, they're like a high volume shot team. Like their whole philosophy on offense is just shots on net shots on net, like kind of like, throw shit at a wall and see what sticks kind of thing um, mm. in terms of like their shot making. And then the Leafs on the other hand, kind of like middle of the pack in terms of like shots per game, but they're all their shot. Most of their shots are like high chance, like high dangerous uh, chances. Right. So they're, they, they have two different like philosophies um, offensively, but they're both seem to be working, which I, I don't know. I just thought that's pretty interesting. Just a bit of a side, a side track there. <laughs> um, but anyways, Taylor Hall, I was on the nay side 
of Taylor Hall. But after talking to some people and seeing a bunch of thoughts and like Don't do it. thinking about it, I'm I'm getting onto the yay side of acquiring Taylor Hall. One, it's not gonna cost you very much because if the Sabres are gonna make a move, they're gonna have to retain half of whatever's left. And he's making eight million. And if he's getting traded now, that would be like you'd have to pay him two million dollars for a playoff run. And you're talking about like he was a Hart Trophy winner a couple years ago. And other than that, he's been on bad teams his entire career. So I don't know if his lack of success has much to do with him. Or it's, it's and think about if you have like right now the whole thing is um on the second line. Um who's on the second line again? Tavares Nylander. And, and uh right now I believe it's, it's Kerfoot. Uh, Kerfoot, yeah. You don't have Kerfoot I I love Kerfoot. I love what he brings. But like well, the thing he struggles in is is um is finishing, right? Imagine if you add a Taylor Hall in that in that role. Someone who can finish, get him and you have two players there who can get him the puck and two players who can also finish as well. And then you have in your top five, sorry, in your top six, you have Matthews, Marner, Taylor Hall, John Tavares, and William Nylander. Like who's, who's stopping that in the playoffs? But here's the thing though. What are you going to give up for him? Because like this year's draft class, it's going to be happening in July. Buffalo's going to want futures. Right, so Buffalo's gonna want futures. Ideally, so, ideally speaking, I, I think Engvall will end up in that in that deal, and then Kerfoot goes back to centering the third line. Right, I think you you give them Engvall, and you give them maybe not the first round pick, but you give them some picks from this year's draft. I'd even give I'd even give because of this week draft, and the Leafs are gonna have a low pick. I'd consider giving my first round pick up just because of that. If, if if you can get a player like Taylor Hall. Right. Uh, I think like... like uh, the, the Leafs are at a point now where rentals are useful. Like, like yeah, the absolutely. team, like, like they're legitimate contenders, right? And if you can add more firepower to that, oh, why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, and I think like what, what it all comes down to is um, like realistically speaking... Um, like the draft is going to be weak to me. Like I look at Buffalo and like, I honestly could see them. Like they're going to want a lot. Like I think they're going to want a lot. The 2022 draft is going to be really good. So do you just, if you don't, you don't, you don't trade your 2022 first, if that's what Buffalo wants. But if they say, I'll give us your first for this year, you do it. And Engvall, even it, or even if it's Engvall, like a third and you give them like a mid-level prospect. Maybe yeah. that's, maybe that's too much, but they're also, they're also going to be, um, be taking on some of Taylor Hall's salary ideally. So I don't know. That's what, that's what I do. I'm not giving up. Like I've seen a lot of ridiculous trade requests, like, like some of the Leafs, like top prospects for Taylor Hall. It's like, no, you're not going to do that for a rental. Exactly. And it's one of those things where, um, I think like uh, with the way that things are going right now, I, I I just don't see a big move like that happening. Just because like I don't know what 
ideally this this uh like this team needs i think the next two games are going to be um really 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 detrimental to what what's happening i think a trade comes soon because regardless this team would look so much better if you add someone else into another winger into this top six and i've heard i've heard grandland which which would be nice i'm not as high on eric stall as i was a few weeks ago um but yeah, Grandland Forsberg would be nice if you can get Forsberg. I have a even if you add like a Matthias at home too to so that blue line too. Just I think if you do that, Dermot goes the other way. Hundred percent. That's fine. Dermot, you're probably, Dermot, you're probably Dermot. losing Dermot in the in the expansion draft, anyways. Right, and I think like what it all comes down to, like I don't know what the fair value is going to look like because, like again, like no one's really broken the ice with a trade since like the Leafs got Galchenyuk. That was the last, like, move that happened. Like, there's been, like, minor stuff, like the Sens getting Dezingle back and, like, stuff like that, but, like, nothing... Which was also for Galchenyuk. Right. And, like, I feel like since we haven't seen a trade in a long time, like, teams are really trying to figure out what their plan is going to be. Um, like, I know, like, uh, with with the pre- like with the Preds, they're apparently open for business. Um Apparently, some the Sabers are. Do you want to talk about that stupid Simmons rumor about Nick Foligno? Oh my God, I don't want to give him any attention. Let's not talk about it. All I'll say is that Nick Foligno uh, had one really, really good season, and the rest has been mediocre. And he makes five million dollars. If we're taking on a Foligno, I want it to be Marcus. <laughs> but like, I don't know if I want that contract. Interesting name. I don't know if they do this because it's in the division, but. And, I, and technically, like, they're not out of it, but they're out of it. Tanner Pearson's a name that I'm like, maybe, you know, because, like, he has he has shown, like... A- I don't know if he'll fit in that top six. I don't, like, I want, like, another finisher in, in Kerfoot spot. I feel like that's what this team, like, really needs right now is a finisher like that. Is it, like, I mean, like, looking at it right now... Okay, well, I won't look inside the North Division just because, like, it's there's not a lot. Like, um, I know, like, some people were saying that um, uh, Adrian Kempe might be getting some looks, which I would love that. And the Leafs have good uh, trade value with the Kings. Also, he got a hat trick like a night or two ago, so he's he's someone that I would love to see with us. Uh, Sorry, who was that again? Adrian Kempe with the LA Kings. There's better names that I'd go for, but I wouldn't mind him. Like I want like a proven finisher up there. So you want basically like a veteran goal scorer is what, is what you I said. want Taylor Hall, I want Grandland, I want Forsberg. I don't think Forsberg's going anywhere. I think like uh Poyo can I'd even sense. I'd even look at Victor Arfitson. I have one that's interesting. And it's on a contending team, granted. I don't know if they'll trade. Actually, um, I was thinking of like a Jaden Schwartz. I don't think it, I don't, it would be St. way Louis too expensive. Same yeah, small part with him. Um, I'm just I'm just looking at all the teams right now off the top of my head. Uh, Riley Smith is one that I think could be interesting, but he's more of a playmaker. Uh, but he's hit like 20, 25 goals a season. He's kind of had a slow start with Vegas, and considering how good the Vegas is, uh, I'm wondering if maybe that they look at that. Um, 
like realistically speaking, like uh, another name that someone was talking about was Kyle Palmieri. And like, I don't know if that would work. Um, uh, trying to think like there really isn't that much like finishers that are like, you're talking like strictly rentals, right? Like no one who's got say like, no, not a player that doesn't have like a year left extending like a two year rental. Like you want like somebody who's a UFA at the end of the year, right? In in this setting, not not um, necessarily. If you can get someone with term, that's even better. I think like to me, Kempe would be great because, um, again, he provides that. Um, what's funny is that Luke Glendening is. If Mike Babcock was here, Luke Glendening would be a guy that he would pray for, but he would never get. Um, like with Nashville, like I know you mentioned a bunch of names with them. Buffalo, obviously, Stall. Paul, if you get both of them, that'd be crazy. So bias, re- no, I'm kidding. Hey, he's scoring. He's <laughs> scoring. Um, like there's really like Gusev maybe with, with mm, the Devils. Not a big like, Gusev I, fan. Neither am I. Like um, like the Islanders don't have anybody. Like, okay, I know they wouldn't do this, but I would love an Anthony Beauvillier. But I don't think he's he's probably one of the two untouchables with Barzell right now. Um. Like the Rangers, like Buchnevich would be nice, but again, that would cost a lot. And like Buchnevich is a guy that can put the puck in the back of the net, and he's he can like he's not like a thirty goal scorer, but like he's a top line like playmaker. Um, like there really isn't that much else. Like Scott Lawton. No, no, I think I, I think we like the favorites. We've already all said. Like I'm not really too high on on anyone else really. Who who I who's rumored to be available? I have a really really crazy one, but I don't think that the Leafs or this other team will part ways with them. Who? And it's especially after the season he had last year. Brian Rust. No, that's not going to happen. It, I, ideally, it they're a team in the playoff spot right now, so it's not going to happen. There's, I mean, like I'm just trying to think like teams that aren't in the running, like like the California teams all make sense because they have like such weak uh players that are there um okay wait Ooh, i i have one off the top of my head i gotta find it um aside from connor garland who i think everyone wants badly like very very mm-hmm. badly um does a player like uh like a no, no. I, actually, no. I, I was, I was going to say Dvorak, but that's a lot of term to take on. I don't think the Coyotes would want to move on from him. Um, I don't want to spend too much more time stalling here. Um, I think we've about nailed it on the head. But what about getting another dad on this team? What if we brought back Patrick Marlowe? No. I'm kidding. I, I think that ship has sailed. Um, yeah, um, it has. Anyways, yeah, let's move on to uh, the interview we did with John Chick of The Score yesterday. Yeah. We we interviewed him last night for in advance of us recording the rest of this episode for uh, just to give you give you all a full disclosure. We talked with him about uh, about just the Raptors, the season they've had so far, and what to expect from them come uh, come in the next couple weeks for the trade deadline. So uh, yeah, here here it is, John Chick from the score. 
All right. And uh, with us right now, we've got a returning guest to the show for the first time ever. Uh, John Chick from the from the score. John, how's it going, man? What's up? What's up, guys? How you doing? We're doing good. pretty good. Pretty good. Nice weather finally to start in. A, yeah, no, it's some traces of it anyway. We'll see the last. <laughs> yeah. For like it, it'll if it's in Ontario, it'll be for like two or three days <laughs> and then we'll just drop like it's like the pre pre spring and then just second half of winter. Yeah, I'm still expecting more snow in like a week. Yeah, it's 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 teasing us and it sucks. Um, so uh, let's talk basketball because um, I mean to be fair, we've kind of been deprived of basketball for uh, about a week. Uh, no, well, more, little less than a week. About what? How long has it been since the last game? About like four, five four, days, five maybe. days. Yeah. So about a majority of the week. Um. So, not taking into account the last two. Um, which were obviously very disappointing uh, after the Raptors' uh, COVID outbreak. Um, thoughts on where this team is right now, and did you expect them to be where they are? Poor start, like put aside. Like, was this what you expected this team be? You know, looking like going into the season. I think they're they're definitely worse than I expected, although not a lot worse. I think that the bad start was obviously the bad start. That happens. Um, throughout that bad start, though, you know, you look at the numbers, they weren't really as bad as they were, um, you know, in terms of, like, point differential net rating. They play defense, like, you know, but the, it, it's just the, the circumstance of the season, I think going in, I think I might have had them pegged anywhere from three to five. Now I think their ceiling is probably like six in the conference. Um, but it, it raises the interesting question, which I know you guys want to talk about too, which is like, you know, what about the trade deadline? What do you do about Kyle Lowry? Cause you're kind of between a rock and a hard place there. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to, you know, finish out the season with the greatest player in franchise history and let him walk away for nothing? Uh, or do you consider taking the plunge on the, uh, on a rebuild if you can get the right trade? So it's, 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 it's not, it's, it's an interesting position to be in for sure. Yeah, that definitely is a, an interesting point considering where the Raptors are only two years away from a, from a championship. Right. So you would think that you'd want to try to extend that window as much as you can, but, but given what what's going on, um, it's a tough situation, especially when like, yeah, like for Kyle Lowry, like you said, the best player to ever play for the Raptors. Um, do you think a rebuild makes sense for this team? Cause personally, I don't think that they do considering the young core that they have, that they can already, they already kind of have. I feel like they're like another piece away from being a, a contender again, maybe, but I don't know. What, what, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Maybe rebuild's not the right word. I mean, I guess it just feels like a rebuild if you're trading away, like the catalyst, the best player in franchise history. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, it really depends on the right deal. I mean, you can, you can also play the honorary card and let Kyle finish out the season and do what we, you know, do what you can get into the playoffs and see how far he can go. And then in all likelihood, because he's 35, you know, he might want to go join a contender. It's, it's unlikely he'd want to resign here uh, next year. I, I don't know that, but I'm just assuming that. So it really depends on the deal you can get for him. Um, now, Philly's been tossed around a lot because it's his hometown. Um, the, 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 the trade that everybody seems to jump over the idea of is like Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, two like pretty good young players. Although neither one of them is technically an NBA starter yet. But, you know, if that trades on the table, I'm not saying it would be. I would take it because 
you're getting back two really good quality young players. You hope that one of them is going to be a starter, maybe both of them. But because, you know, when you're positioned in the NBA like this, you know, when you've got an opportunity to make a deal when the, when the bidding's high, you do it. So at the same time, you know, if it's, if it's for another player and now I don't know, I haven't really looked into like too many possibilities. If you're going to bring back an older player, or, you know, not an older player, but a player more in line that fits with this team, you can do it too. I, I don't think rebuilding is the right word. I think maybe retooling. But right. at, the, at the same time, I just think that, you know, you've you, you got to consider you got to consider moving Lowry at this point. Yeah, and like on the topic of Lowry, because like it's been obviously at the forefront of everyone's focus right now because we don't really know if this team is going to be a buyer or a seller. And with so much time removed from their last game, um, at full strength. We don't really know what this team's going to look like. Um, I know that you mentioned uh, the 76ers being the team and looking at Thibault and and what they can get there as well. If you were to talk about like a player that you could get back in a salary dump that could fit the mold, um, if in the context of Philly, does Danny Green make sense to come back for that final year of his deal? Yeah, he, he pretty much has to because just to make the salaries match, <clears throat> you pretty much have to take Danny Green and probably Mike Scott. Um, yeah. You know, one's going to be a salary. Dump. And look, I know that that's just how it works, but uh, Danny Green's contract's expiring. And uh, I tried to defend this by saying that the, the upside would be he gets to get his championship ring, which he never got from the Raptors <laughs> from 2019. And he didn't get his Lakers one either because then he got moved. So, like, you know, and we don't even know if they're, they're going to be playing in Toronto this spring. Probably, well, they're not. Probably not. Committed to Tampa for the regular season. We don't know anything about the playoffs, but I, I don't think they're coming back. So if you're making that trade, you know, you're going to have to take on the salary for the salary dump. But, you know, you, you give Danny his ring. I, again, this isn't a perfect trade that, that I threw out there, but, you know, I, I, I'd certainly consider that from a standpoint of, you know, assembling young talent and assets. For sure, yeah. Um, in terms of like other teams that you think could be interested in, uh, in Kyle Lowry, um, another name I was hearing thrown around, I'm not sure how legitimate it was, but I was hearing like the Miami heat were, were an option. I'm just not sure what that package would have looked like. I remember hearing, hearing the name, uh, Myers Leonard, but I don't know about that anymore. <laughs> no, considering what just yeah. happened. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, like, is there any other teams that you could see like making good trade partners? I, I don't know really. And I, I mean, uh, I, I will say I've, it's been pretty limited, like my trade machine playing around with this one, but um, you know, there, there might be a few out there. The heat weren't really going to be, I think a factor anyway. I mean, I think Kyle Lowry's definitely a Pat Riley guy, but it, in terms of return for the raps. Yeah. I mean, Myers Leonard after today, I don't, you know, he's got a, a team option on his contract. He might not be playing next year. Um, as far as other guys, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't see the heat overpaying for Kyle Lowry because, you know, Pat, Pat Riley is also very shrewd. The Los Angeles Clippers would obviously love Kyle Lowry, but there just isn't really much of a, an asset return there either. I think they're only real tradable assets, Lou Williams, and that doesn't make much sense from a Raptor standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know with all this talk we've heard the last couple of weeks about, you know, Kyle said that, you know, you know, if he wanted to get traded and want to be to his hometown, we don't know how true that is. His agent denied it. Ryan Rossillo said today that he's been telling people, Lowry's been telling people that he wants to get, or that he thinks he's going to get traded. And Ryan Rossillo is actually has some NBA connections. So I'm not going to totally dismiss that. Now, Kyle Lowry then posts something on Instagram and says that 
you know, he's committed to the Raps. So this might sting a bit if he does get moved uh, for Raps fans, but I think they have to be prepared either way. Yeah, I think it's kind of like a foregone conclusion in a way that that Lowry's going to get moved uh, regardless of the direction that this team goes. Um, I think realistically, like, like we see how well this team plays without him. You have to think like maybe they look at uh, just selling high while they're ahead and then seeing what they could use to kind of like retool themselves uh, next season. Uh, Especially when you look at like, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty with what you're going to do with Norm Powell. Like he's obviously been on a tear obviously until, you know, the team basically was, uh, Sideline, you know, yeah, like sideline, yeah, yeah. Act, yeah, exactly. So, like, I mean, you know, you have to make the argument, like, uh, between Norm and Kyle, I think like they'd rather keep Norm just because they could probably, if they do re sign him, it would be for uh, a longer term and you could get a potential, you know, the potential best years of, of Norm Powell. Whereas with Kyle Lowry, it's like, you know, you, you know what you're getting with him, but like, you know, father time is undefeated, like, you know, how, right. how long could you keep doing it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like Powell's, Powell's contract is actually a good contract to have on your roster. I mean, I know he's been involved in like every trade rumor the last couple of years, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, depending on what the Raptors are doing, they're not going to make a blockbuster move at this point this season to put them in championship contention this year. So it might be time, like you said, to look a couple of years down the road and, and, and get something for Kyle before he likely departs. So, so- – I know. So, uh, go ahead. So, in a situation where the Toronto Raptors are more buyers than sellers at the deadline, um, who are some op- trade options that you see fit? Like we've heard the name Drummond around. I personally don't like that option much at all. Um, I pulled up something that might be interesting, but I'll wait my turn. I've been on uh, over the last few episodes of this show. I've been uh, I've been on the John Collins train. Just trying to, I know he's unhappy in Atlanta. Just trying to make something work there. Um, yeah. uh, what do you think? Uh, who, who do you think is like um, realistic options for? for yeah, I mean, I mean the, the, there is availability there with Collins, perhaps. I don't know if that's going to happen, though. And like, I, I'm not, I'm like you, I'm not a fan of the Drummond talk. Like, and I, I think, you know, a lot of people have made this kind of clear is like, even though it feels like it, I don't think there's a, you know, finding necessity to go out and get a center. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it depends what you're giving up too. Like I'm, I, I really like Rishon Holmes as a, as a candidate, but again, like what move are you doing this for? Can you like, what are you getting out of this season essentially? Right. Um, so for a player like Drummond who has some shortcomings, I don't know, like John Collins, though, like you say, like that's, you know, I, I could get behind that, but again, you, you're looking at Powell, you're looking at, maybe you're, you're talking about a, but if you're talking about a three-way trade, that's going to send Kyle out of town, then you're, you might be defeating the purpose. Cause if you're trying to make a, like a, a move to contend, why would you trade Kyle at this point? Right. So the catch 22 kind of exactly. And it's like a rock between a rock and a hard place. And I think that it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens between now and the trade deadline, which is actually Kyle Lowry's 35th birthday. So, like, you know, blows your mind in a way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, while on the topic of big men centers, um, I actually, because I was, before we were prepping to do uh, to do the recording, um, I was doing some digging and seeing if there's any uh, rumors that, that comes up. And, like, I don't know how credible uh, NBAanalysis.net is, um, but I somebody uh, wrote 
a potential trade option for the Raptors. I don't think personally it happens because they're in the East. They're both in the East. They're both like kind of within not striking distance, but like they're both kind of like very similar in terms of records. Uh, does the name Miles Turner sound interesting? Yeah, look, I've been a I've been a fan of Miles Turner since he played at Texas, and he's kind of finally made a leap this year. I don't know how credible those reports are, though. I mean, like he's 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 made a leap, but I would have thought that if the Pacers were going to deal him, they would have done it by now. Um, like this is a guy who's you know had upside for years. Um, finally, this year he's kind of put it together defensively. He's leading the league in blocks. Um, I don't know, but I mean, the Pacers are in a kind of a weird spot too. Like, you know, they, they could maybe not blow it up necessarily, but they could retool significantly. I don't think though, that at this stage, it necessarily makes sense to move them unless they were looking to bring back like, you know, a name on like equal level kind of thing. So, but yeah, as far as miles Turner, the player goes, I'd be all over that. I think he's, he said this year he's been an elite defender. I've always been a fan of his school, his skill set offensively, but he never really put it together. Um, yeah. And, and I think he still has some, some like issues to work out with his offensive game. He kind of got schooled by Joel Embiid uh, before the all-star break, but I mean, that's going to happen. Sometimes you just get overmatched, but yeah, I, I'd be a fan of it. I don't know if it's going to happen though. Right. Cause then you have to look like, okay, what would a trade look like? What would, a team like Orlando real or not Orlando uh, Indiana really wants. Uh, I don't know why I said Orlando. I, I, maybe I had v- uh, Vucevic on my mind, um, <laughs> but uh, I think like the thing like because like I, I don't know why the Pacers went and traded Old Depot when they were like, I think a top three in the East at that time. I think maybe there was just like the increase in, uh, in happiness and they wanted, I mean, Levert was a great get, but obviously um, circumstances led to that kind of being sour. Um, like, obviously, we're kind of waiting on the dominoes to fall in terms of the trade deadline because, like, obviously, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Like, it's you know that it's sad when the biggest like signing or like acquisition support was like a washed up Blake Griffin to the Nets. But like, I'm hoping that like that that picks up relatively soon here. Um, so like, if you were to look at maybe like, should this team all be in? on getting a big man or should they look at maybe someone else, maybe some depth to add to their bench? I don't know. I, like I said, I, I'm, I've, I've kind of bought into the reality that maybe it doesn't make sense to go out and get a center, you know, based on what your expectations are this season. Now, if you, if, it's tough to imagine what, like, I, I, I think Rishon Holmes would be a great fit for a lot of reasons. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get him. Um, but, you know, if you can get a player like that, depending on what you're giving up, then I would consider doing that as far as, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you can always kind of, you can always add to your bench. Um, I, I just think you have to manage the expectations though, of what this team is. And like, I don't, I could be dead wrong on this, but I don't think that there's a deal out there necessarily where you're trading Norm Powell and you're bringing back, you know, a guy who's going to, you know, automatically get you into the second round of the playoffs. So, um, I, I like, like I said, I like Rishon Holmes, um, but I, if I were, but I'm obviously not Messiah Jiri, and this is what makes this confusing too, is we don't know what's going to happen with Messiah Jiri after the season because he still hasn't signed a contract extension. So, um, I, you know, I, I think watching him and how he deals with this 
leading up to the trade deadline may be an indicator of what he's going to end up deciding as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I, basically what I'm trying to say is if I'm a rat, if I'm the Raptors, I'm not necessarily a buyer at the trade deadline. Right. Um, you just kind of led me into my next question, which kind of had to do with Masai Ujiri. Um, is there like any way that you can tell what his um, motives are for next season, whether it is to resign or take on another project somewhere else based on what happens at this trade deadline or, or do you think he's just conducting business as usual? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I, I don't know if he would base decisions. Maybe he would though. Maybe he, if he was, if he knew he was leaving, like, you know, that makes it harder than maybe to make a big trade or, you know, you know, I, I think he would always do things with the best interest of his employer in mind. He's been like one of the top executives in sports for X number of years. But yeah, I mean, you know, part of me thought when, when he, when we, he didn't really, when it came out that he hadn't signed the contract extension, they, they locked up Bobby Webster, you know, part of me thought, well, you know, Maybe he should trade Kyle Lowry because, you know, this is one last fleece job he can do on a team like, like, you know, with Barnani and the Knicks and everything like that. Like maybe this is a, you know, he, he could set the, the franchise up for when he's gone. But I, I think at the end of the day, he's a smart man. He's only going to make uh, any move that's going to benefit the team in, in the immediate future. And I don't know. And this is what I meant. Like, I don't know if they're looking at this team and saying, well, this is a team that's going to go, you know, second, third round of the playoffs or a chance to go beyond that because I don't believe that necessarily. So I don't think they do. Um, And unless there's not like a blockbuster that we haven't really dreamed about yet that they could pull the trigger on, then, you know, I I, I don't see them making a big move. And, you know, unfortunately that happens and Messiah then leaves when his contract expires in the summer, then that's just the way it is. Unfortunately. I mean, Raptors are still going to be, I think, well set up with Bobby Webster. I mean, the guy's obviously done a great job, studied under Masai, um, but it won't it won't be the same because this guy built this championship culture. So, yeah, definitely, will be a will be a big big shoes to fill for whoever comes in next to that position. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll switch gears now. We'll head to uh, go from NBA to NCAA. Um, Less than a week, less than two weeks away from the NCAA tournament, uh, March Madness. Uh, one of my favorite times of the year as a sports fan. It's just, just complete mad. Well, hence the name, complete madness. Um, um, so, looking at it from a Canadian perspective, who are some of the players that Canadian basketball fans should be keeping an eye on who will probably be in this tournament? It's not really a great field at all. I mean, in terms of that. Um... There, there, there aren't any really big names. I mean, a lot of the guys that, that, you know, going into the season necessarily, I mean, you look at Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga is obviously going in, they're going to be the top ranked team in the, in the country going into the tournament. Um, Nemhard's a guy that, you know, I think Canadian should be interested in he transferred from Florida um, th- this season. He's been a big part of that team, but beyond uh, a guy like Nemhard, there isn't a, a, a whole lot of other, Canadians are really stick out in this. I mean, some of the guys that played for teams like South Carolina, like a guy like AJ Lawson, they just had bad seasons and they're not going to be in the tournament. Um, there's a couple of lower level guys um, that yeah, I, I've, I've talked to uh, a couple of our NCAA aficionados about who've told me about, but I honestly know nothing about some of those guys. So it, it's, it, it's not like the, you know, a couple of years ago where you went in 
and you had like, you know, Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Olynyk, and, uh, you know, all these guys who will go on to start in the NBA necessarily. I think that, you know, from a game perspective, and I think Gonzaga kind of has a following up here anyway, to some extent, because they've been pretty solid for a long time. So I think Nemhard's the guy that most Canadians will be watching. For sure. Yeah. Um, unrelated note to Marsh Madness, how is it? How does it feel to actually like feel excited to watch the tournament? Because I remember this time last year. I mean, you know, I don't want to open up that wormhole again because that this whole like week last year was just <laughs> shit beyond. In fact, uh, a year ago today, fan. Yeah. Yeah. a year ago yeah. today is when uh, the Gobert incident Gobert, uh, touched all the microphones. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how excited are you to actually like watch Barsh Madness? Because I remember for me, uh, in my league and tournament class for my program, uh, the head of our program, who was our prof, was like, "Oh yeah, we'll come and do a March Madness uh, prediction next week." And then next week happens, and we're just like, "Oh shit, there's no March Madness anymore." <laughs> Uh, so I guess how excited are you to actually watch it? And where were you last year when shit hit the fan? Well, last year we, I was at work at the score and I mean, this, yeah, you're right. Like that, the Gobert thing happened with the mics and we were all talking about that, but the world hadn't shut down yet. And then there was a report that they were going to play March Madness without fans in any of the venues. And like, well, this, and it seemed to be where everything was going in terms of like the NBA was talking about that, um, that we get to a point where they wouldn't be able to let fans into arenas and then bang, um, Gobert test positive. I think it was two days later. I think it was like, it might, I think it was the 11th. That he yeah. Two days after the microphone thing. And then, right. and so the NBA postponed the season first and the NCAA just followed suit immediately after that canceled the tournament without any kind of makeup. And, you know, that's kind of sad because they just blew away the entire thing. And, you know, but that's, that's when I guess I realized how serious this was, was like, yeah. you know, they're shutting this down. Um, you know, there's a lot of money at stake there and they just cut it out. So like, yeah, it, it sucked last year going through like that week, you know, like St. Patrick's day happens. And it's usually around the same time as the NCAA tournament that there were no games to watch, but yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a sobering week. And I mean, in terms of this year, you know, it's not going to be the same, though, too, without having fans there and they're going to be all on one site. Like one of the cool things that ever since I was a kid, I'm liking about that tournament is there would be games in like, you know, Buffalo. Like I went to a game in, in Buffalo or there'd be, you know, their first round games would be played in like Syracuse or yeah. Providence, Rhode Island. So now everything's in one place. It's certainly going to make it easier you know, from a management standpoint with this virus, um, you know, I hope they get through it. All right. There's a lot of people questioning why they're doing it, but we all know why they're doing it. It's because of money. So it'll give us something to watch, something to bet on. So I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> I don't know what on, on terms of what's happening on the court. I don't know. It's been such a kind of a weird season because of COVID that, you know, like I, I and we were talking about Gonzaga, like, I don't know. I don't have faith in them winning just because I never seem to have faith in them winning every year. So you know, I like Baylor, maybe, you know, they're a pretty strong team, you know, both ways. So we'll see. So, uh, so you just kind of led me into my other question again. Uh, this is just, I know you gotta, you gotta go. So we'll do this question and then you can, you can, uh, you can take off. Um, <laughs> um, who are any like potential like underdogs or like uh bracket busters as, as I like to call them. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's so tough because like, you know, teams went through like long pauses and stuff. So you never really know if like anybody actually, you know, like, you know, what I look for in like, you know, upset material usually is like, they have like, you know, pretty sturdy backcourt. Like, I don't know if like, you know, like, I I don't know if Illinois would count as like being a dark horse because they're like third ranked in the country, but I kind of, I liked them last year too because of some of the players they got, like Kofi uh, Coburn and uh, Ayo Dasamu, who I think is a decent NBA draft prospect. Um, but I, I don't know. They were actually – they had a pretty good season, so I don't know if you can really call them a dark horse. I, I, I like teams like that. I like teams like West Virginia. Again, they're like top 25, uh, but, again, pretty strong two-way team. Um, and then, like, Texas Tech, which is also ranked, although – they're not ranked real high, but that, that could, should be a fun team to watch based on Mac McClung and some of the players they got too. So uh, it, it's wide open. It, it, it's kind of like true, just betting chaos. It could be like, I, I think you can just go, go through some stats and like, just take wild bets, pick like 12 seeds over five seeds. That always seems to be worth one upset. So, yeah, I mean, it's so the Intel this season just hasn't been great. And like, it, it kind of made it, made us realize that, you know, Cade Cunningham, who's might be the first pack pick of the NBA draft, um, had a pretty good year for Oklahoma State. We didn't even get like a photo of this guy from like Getty Images. Like they didn't have any photographers taking pictures of him until like two weeks ago. Like he played like 25 games this season. So, you know, yeah. you know, it's 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 just been a weird season. You, there's no flow to anything. So like, yeah, it, it's gonna be wide open. Uh all right, John. Uh that's everything we uh we got for you. Uh yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's a pleasure having you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Anytime. Hopefully the weather warms up. We'll do it again. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you to uh, John Chick for, for coming on again. He was he came on uh, before the Raptor season started. Our first ever uh, ever returning guest on uh, Queen City Roundup. Uh, you can follow yeah. him on Twitter and on Instagram at RoofThatPeach. He's a, he's a pretty good follow for uh, anything basketball basketball related so um yeah i guess we're about at the end of this show right now um not really much much happening with the blue jays i don't know anything with the jays you you wanted to touch on um there are a couple names that i think are really interesting to like keep an eye on um i like what i saw to steven matt so far um he's a guy that i think could have the potential to be at least a three guy on this team um he's not uh Trevor Bauer or anything like that, but like he's a guy that can definitely be capable and has some stuff and has had some success in the past. Um, pitching with the Mets, uh, especially when he was younger, so like there's something there. Um, Robbie Ray's kind of hit and miss. Um, the walks I think are still an issue in the strike zone, um, but he still mm-hmm. strikes out a lot of batters, and I think like him as like a, a two three guy, it's a little concerning but he's still someone that I think could really, uh, uh, you know, turn the corner uh, and be, there's an outfielder that I think we need to go ahead and uh, spend more time talking about. Uh, and that's uh, Josh Policios. I believe that's his name. A uh, 25 year old player. He's been having a great spring training so far. And like, I think right now the Jays outfield core, I know like, again, like it's been, you know, it's still early. Like we still have like another month of spring training before we, we get to the start of the season on April 1st. Um, but 
realistically speaking, like when he like he if him if he's number five right now on your depth chart, and you have like Springer, Guriel, Hernandez, Grichuk, Davis, and then that and then uh, Policios at five, like that's that's telling and that's actually really good considering like and they're all fairly young still like Policios is only twenty five, I think uh, Jonathan Davis if I'm not mistaken is like twenty eight. Um, which like you think is like old, which it is. Um, and uh, just checking, yeah, he is 28. So I got that right off the top of my head. And like, you know, you got Springer who's 31. I think like if we use, if they implement a taxi squad again, which I think MLB is doing, then the Jays could use that to their advantage. And I think like this is depth, the re- depth is not a bad thing. Depth is a friggin' not even it should never be a sin um no i think also what we need to understand is like coaches that are adaptable and flexible and you have that flexibility are so rare and you should cherish that mindset because the flexibility especially like within the roster itself is great like there's so many players who could just play in multiple positions which is such a valuable asset especially in a season like this What's really funny too is like looking at if we were to go back like five years ago and look at like both, uh, really all three of the Toronto sports teams of uh, the Jays, the Leafs, and the Raptors, they all had one dimensional coaches that were all set in their own ways. Like Dwayne Casey always had his his set um, ways, and then you know they never got past the the second. They never round. wanted to adapt, or they never got past the conference when they lost to LeBron. Well, in the East was was weak, right? That yeah. was 2016. Right. Uh, and they never got past the, the, the conference final without making that trade. And LeBron, mm-hmm. Le, LeBron, LeBron pissing off. Um, Gibbons was always a stubborn old man and always wanted to just mismanage keep, the bullpen. <laughs> mismanage the bullpen, keep Biagini starting when he was clearly struggling, um, which was odd. Uh, and then obviously we don't need to talk about Babcock because that's just mm-hmm. like literally a mule beating a mule to death mm-hmm. like he is a mule and like having keith and like montoyo i mean i mean montoyo is still a, sh- a small sample size but uh, it's clear that he at least has a general idea of what he wants to do um, and he's open to new ideas <laughs> yeah and um and and i mean nurse has his, his vices but he's still a guy who like knows okay if something's good i'm gonna roll with it like like with chris boucher this season mm-hmm. terrence davis last season like if a guy earns his trust, then he's gonna like, you know, play him, and he's gonna show mm-hmm. him just how good you know your your roster can be. Yeah. Um, um, that's really about it. Um, um, yeah, just uh, Raptors nine oh five. Uh, their season ended last night. They lost in the in the semifinals to Delaware of the G League bubble. So how sad uh, is it? Lose- What's sadder, losing to a Canadian team in Toronto or losing to Delaware? Um, sorry, this sorry. is a big uh, moment for Delaware. It's been a big couple months for Delaware. You know, their guy becoming president of the of the U.S. and now this. Uh, good guess, for Delaware. Yeah. yeah, and I think like it's one of those things where it's like it's crazy to me to think how you know, despite the fact that all the shit that's going on, the fact that we still have like sports and stuff is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, hopefully, once we get to like spring and summer, we could start to like really kind of like not let our guard down, but like you know, kind of like take it easy. Just how relax. about this? By the end of the summer, we get to go to a Jays game. Could you imagine? 
I I'm thinking about I, I okay. I won't go until like maybe August, late August September. I think the big all eyes are going to be on the CNE this year if they do it. And like I don't know. I don't think that them. would go because that would be you'd have a tough time um, with crowd control with that. Right, but, but when you're I, in a stadium like that, and like everyone has their own assigned like seats and stuff, it's a lot easier to enforce. Yeah, it also depends on the vaccine rollout. So fingers crossed. Exactly. Like that's that's one of the, that. I mean, like you know, I don't know what the hell stuff's gonna look like mm-hmm. within the next couple months, and like I don't I don't even know what's gonna happen at the end of the week, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, stuff stuff's hopefully ramping up. Like I'm gonna be done college in a little less than a month, and then after stuff. that, I don't I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do. And that and that that's the worst part. Like during this time, because like it hey, sucks, man. This, it now sucks. Like, yeah, um, uh. <laughs> I don't know. It's just I think now is like kind of the time when like we need to like start, you know, trying to not be like down and, and whatnot but i mean it's hard now it's time but. to figure out if your seasonal depression is just regular depression <laughs> oh my god i saw it's, i it's, thought it made me laugh it's it's pretty uh and also considering the fact that it's been a year um and like a lot of stuff continues to happen like it's either out of your control or, or in your control or not like it's it's weird but we'll we'll, we'll get we'll get there i hope so um mm-hmm. i'm i'm optimistic and i'm hoping like i can when you're the end yeah, and I'm hoping like we can continue doing things. Uh, I just, to be completely honest with you, I can just miss like doing simple stuff, like going out with like mm-hmm. one or two people that like aren't in my household. Exactly. I miss just me and my friends would go to like um, this wings place near near our house, like like two or three times a week. We'd go at least once a week to watch a Leafs game there just to like chill you know and, and watch the game and like i just miss that shit just so much i miss i miss me and my buddies um we would like just drive around and then like we'd end up at like a mcdonald's at like 2 a.m and we would just sit there mm-hmm. anyways hopefully soon yeah hopefully soon and uh my eyes just friggin like <laughs> like i i withheld a yawn and then it just friggin <laughs> i don't know uh, uh but yeah if you like the, uh yeah, if you like what you hear, rate us five stars on whatever app you're listening to. Um, we really very much appreciate those reviews. Um, follow us on socials um, at Q underscore City Roundup on Twitter, Queen City Roundup on Instagram, um, and subscribe to us on YouTube where we'll be posting clips from from the episodes. Did you remember to uh, plug our boy John's? Uh socials um i believe i did but i'll do it again uh, if you want to follow john chick on twitter and instagram on both he's at roof that peach so go go give our our friend a follow yeah and also a tip for anybody who's struggling to like really do anything or whatever or if you're or like struggling with screen time read a book that is what i am trying to do i am trying to i have so many books in my room that i'm trying to just read um, yeah, me like too. I have like I have this fucking guy's book. Uh, I'm reading the Sean Avery book right now, which is very interesting because I don't know. He's, he's one of those guys. It's like you hate him as a player, but then as you grow up, it's like oh, he's not that bad. Like he's got 
some redeeming qualities. I, he did I, what he I, had to do to earn a contract, which yeah, which, which all the power about, to him, which he talks about in the book. And, and one of my and one thing that I miss is uh, him riding his bike and just shitting oh, on the Instagram stories. Yeah, that was funny. That that's the best. That's like funny, you, can't, you, you can't top that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna go wait and take a nap, and then I'm gonna do some internship stuff, and then I'm gonna probably nap again, or I don't know. Awesome sleep. Yeah, reading. All right. We'll catch y'all next week. Yeah. Y'all take care and stay safe.